welcome to Hazel and Katniss and Harry and Star. Mailbag! There you go. (laughs) (laughs) I'm surprised I got it in there, Joe. Ah, you know what? You did the thing and that's all that matters. (laughs) But uh, Brenna, we've been off from the mailbag for a couple of weeks because I've been film festivaling. So Mm -hmm. we do have a couple of things that we want to touch base with because we did get emails from both Earl as well as Tea Books and Chocolate. We'll Mm -hmm. start with the former, uh, if only because I don't know that it's a conversation we're going to have on air so much as Earl wrote in, gently constructively taking us to task for prioritizing a particular reading of Elena as opposed Mm -hmm. to another and yeah I think without devoting like a whole separate conversation to it we just want to say Earl we're sorry that it wasn't a good listening experience for you and we're gonna try to do better in the future yeah absolutely I think that um you know Joe and I want to be able to give readings that are outside of our own experiences and uh we took an l on that one um and Mm -hmm. we apologize yes exactly so uh the other email that we got was from tea books and chocolate they essentially want to know when we look back on dystopian ya adaptations which ones stand out particularly for their strong political message i mean so few of them like in tea books and chocolates email she does go through like all the dystopians we've done joe it's so many dystopians <laughs> it's so five many. years worth of dystopians it's a lot um you know i'm one of the ones that is in that list that i think is probably the strongest dystopia that we've read is the marrow thieves mm-hmm. by sherry demoline and i think the reason why that one is so good from a political perspective is that you know, Dimeline is intentionally connecting this dystopia to the history of residential schooling and colonialism and sort of it's it's a story about how for indigenous people living post-colonization, like there is a sense of even before the dystopian event takes place that you are already living through the end of the world, right? And mm-hmm. and the what comes next. And, you know, Dimeline is really intentional about the politics there. So for me, that's probably the strongest example. But I take right. T-Books and Chocolate's point that, like, a lot of those texts that came out in kind of the post-Hunger Games boom, I guess, mm-hmm. they weren't dystopians about anything. And I think no. the Divergent series that we just sort of have wrapped up is maybe a really good example of that, Joe, about how, like, if it's not actually about anything at its core... It does mm-hmm. collapse in on itself under the weight of <laughs> three books and an attempted four movies. Yeah, I mean, I think some of these are definitely stronger than others. I think some of the texts end up using it as a bit of a, without being too mean-spirited, a bit of a narrative crutch, right? Mm-hmm. It's almost a frame or an umbrella in which to tell a specific story. Often a love story, often a, you know, kind of Romeo and Juliet, opposites attract sort of thing. It creates stakes, right? Like, right. If you don't have other stakes, then when in doubt, set it at the end of the world, right? And, mm-hmm. and that is definitely the vibe for a lot of the kind of big blockbustery sized ones. Yeah, and I think For me, the particular problem when we get to films is because of the exponential increase in cost from something like Mm -hmm. publishing, which is not cheap in and of itself. But when you're making a movie that costs $150, $200, $250 million, 
it's really risky to include too much overt politicalness, whichever way you want to take that. So I think, as we talked about numerous times, we sand off some of the edges to make the text a little bit more appealing to a broad audience. Mm-hmm. Like anything political is such a lightning rod that I think it's just too easy for people to say, oh, get rid of it. We don't want this to be touchy to people. The Giver is such a good example of that. <laughs> like mm-hmm. a book that is actually quite slight, but has a lot to say about mm-hmm. not even politics, but like human morality and like how we make meaning with each other. And then we get the film right. version, which is like, look, sparkly things. Woo! Explosions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm interested because folks just, you know, anticipatory thinking ahead to the future. We are going to be wrapping up our coverage of the Hunger Games Mockingjay Part 2 in time to coincide with the new film, the prequel that's coming out. And I'm curious to see whether you feel differently about that text because i know you've come down a little bit hard on the hunger games you're not the biggest fan of suzanne collins uh we have numerous reviews on various podcatcher (laughs) websites that take us to task for that and actually one of them did mention the knife of never letting go which you and i really aggressively did not like that first book and the Mm -hmm. film and apparently uh one person was like well if they did their homework they would know that there is a deeper discussion of colonialism in later books in the series so sure the issue is that it's not present in that first one which is the one that we were reviewing so yeah i'm willing to acknowledge that books can also get richer and deeper which i think we start to see in the maturity of the later hunger games but the issue is that often we get that removed in the first one so that we can say is there even an audience for this yeah totally true Yeah, but uh, yeah, so maybe that's a taster and we can continue the conversation when we come back from Mockingjay Part 2 sometime next month. And before we leave Mailbag Joe, I do just want to acknowledge that Eric wrote in to celebrate with me how great my day with the president's daughter is. So thank you for that, Eric. (laughs) Made my day. I'm not going to lie. Editing that episode, that darn song got stuck in my head for probably a full week. It's very catchy. (laughs) It's too catchy. I did not like it at the end of that week, though. (laughs) Ready? Ready, ready, ready. You're doing great. (laughs) Thanks.